here, okay? So let's read this particular passage, and then we'll, we'll share a little bit about it after that. It's, let's start from verse, verse 10. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, We have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd, About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everybody sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. I would call that quite an encouraging story, wouldn't you? Yeah. And you know, it, it's a very well-known story. I know you've maybe heard it from the, from, from if you go to Sunday school, um, it's, it's a well-known story and you wonder, well, why do, we, why do we keep talking about it? Well, quite simply, it's, it's a very important story because it's fundamental to, to who we are as Christians because doing things God's way, God's way is, is the best way Whatever Jesus blesses and gives to us, it multiplies in our hands. That's a a picture that I think we've got to get a hold of. Whatever circumstances we are in, we've got to understand how generous a God we have. We have, as we've been seeing over the last few months, we have a God of grace. You know, he gives us more than we deserve. And so we often are like the disciples when when there is a need, we operate and we, we organize and answer the human way. I found this over the years as a Christian. Now, I became a Christian in 1953. It's a long time ago. And um, I look back now in my own church upbringing that when we, it was a good church, it was a, a very loving church, but it was a church that in many ways, they, they did it uh, the human way. Um, there was a lot of tradition. I come from Scotland, as you know, and up in Scotland, as in many countries, there is so much tradition that absolutely smothers the truth. And that's part of the way things are. Um, and when I look back now, I realize that some of the realities of who God is and how God works were totally put in a pending file or put in the attic in a box. And it wasn't until we were a bit older and, well, when we were in our 20s, that we realized that things were not quite that way. Um, And we automatically implemented an answer in the natural when, you know, in what we could see and know. That was basically it. And I look back now, we were good organizers. We worked well together. It was very, very well done. Um, And and it was all good, okay? It was all good. But the... I, I, when we look back now, Eileen and I, we, we said this in our 20s, you know, there must be more than this. Now, we enjoyed being in church. We knew Jesus Christ was our Savior. We knew exactly that, that this was true. 
Um, but we looked around and we thought, would this really attract us? And it came to the point when we got married that um, we moved down to Hamilton from our village, a mining village, and we began to get involved in the wider church and we realized there was more. And it was, it was, it was quite exciting, but it was something that really challenged us. I remember when we moved into to a working full-time in church ministry at the age of 30. Uh, it was a very significant moment for us because I, I, left, we left, I left my job um, and basically went out in faith, believing God would, would take care of us. I felt God speaking to us. And in this kind of traditional background, this was something that was quite a challenge to the leaders of our church. You know, Bob has got three boys, one wife, a mortgage, and he's leaving his job, and he's going to do this, and he doesn't know where the money's going to come from. You know, that sounds very okay today, but at that time, it was radical. And I remember Anna and I went and met our elders, um, and it was interesting, because I had a company car. For six years, I had a company car traveling around New car every year in March the 1st. I thought, this is a great life. No, just pick your color, Bob, and that was it. That was great. And then I gave up. And so we were going to be involved in about six weeks of traveling from Glasgow to Naples. And that's a long journey from Glasgow to Naples. And we had no transport. So we were, we were telling the leaders this, that they would say, well, what do you hope to do, Bob and Eileen? Well, we're hoping to to take teams to Europe and, and, and do, do literature evangelism, do open airs, do everything like that. And we're hoping to travel to different parts of Europe with a minibus. And they said, have you got a minibus? I said, no, we haven't got a minibus yet. Um, but we're believing God that God will, 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 will give us a minibus. And they said to us, and I remember it yet, they said to us, what if he doesn't do it? What if he doesn't do it? And I think it was you, Adeline, says, well, why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he? Typical woman. Why wouldn't he? Women are a lot more discerning sometimes than men, you know. But that was again the background. Why wouldn't he? But they said, what if he doesn't? And, you know, that mindset took me to, to, to this particular chapter and, and realized that, that doing things God's way is very biblical, Yeah. But in many ways, we have covered over with a, a covering that, that actually limits God in doing things certain ways. And to, to tell you, we got a minibus, okay? God supplied a minibus. We always had a minibus to take teams abroad. And so it wasn't that way. I remember also, we opened a Christian bookshop in, in, in Hamilton, and the leaders then said to us, it won't work, Bob. It won't work. You know, leaders like that are not very encouraging, are they? You know, it would work. And here, here was I in my, in my 30s with, with, with enthusiasm. You know, I was going where no Kilpatrick had gone before. You know the idea. Uh, and they were all looking at me. And when we used to go to church, there was that look in people's eyes saying, you're a fool, Bob. You know, be, be cautious, be cautious. Now, I'm not saying that everybody should do what we did, okay? This, was for, this is our testimony, not yours. You've got another testimony. 
But I do remember this, that, that um, we opened this bookshop, and to cut a long story short, it's still going after 45 years. So I felt, well, I won't go that way. I won't go there. I won't go there. I won't go there. I'll need to repent later. Um, but the point is this, that there's a, there is that kind of mindset that when you hear the voice of God, and when God says to, to, to each of us, you, you know, do this. And we know it's God. Make sure it's God, by the way. Get confirmation. Don't, don't, a lot of people have, have um, said, God told me this. And uh, I call that the God told me brigade. That's not something that God told them. So be sure of that fact that it's God. Don't, don't, don't just wing it uh, without the Spirit of God telling you. But if it's God, then you can take on the world. I remember I, I, I was thinking of our family and our oldest son, Alan, and his wife. They're moving out of the Anglican church and they're going to do a ministry and then we're in mission. They're hoping to go to Mozambique for two months in September. And we were reminiscing with them over the years that they have been involved in ministry in the Anglican Church. They've been in, um, in London, they've been in Charleston, they've been in Cape Town, they've been in Brighton, they're now in Northern Ireland. And I look back then and, and I realized something very, very special with them. We got on about transport again, cars. And they have never, ever bought a car. They counted it back and they realized that God had given them seven different cars. And do you know why? Because there were many times in their, in their life they gave their car away to somebody else in need. And God gave it back. There's a principle here where God can work in that way. So I tell you these situations because that's the background to what I'm trying to say here. Because when you look at the Bible here, the, the background of this story is calming a storm, deliverance of demons, healing of the sick, and the disciples going out and doing the stuff. John Wimber coined that phrase, let's go out and do the stuff. That meant signs and wonders, salvation, healings, deliverance, you know, money supplies, everything, doing the stuff. And when we look at this story here, you know, times haven't changed. We are living in a day when God is moving in power around the world. And I believe that's some of, I know you've heard it all before, okay? You've heard it before, yeah? yeah? Hello, speak to me. You've heard it all before. Yeah. And it's so important. We need, a, we need, we need about Bible times and, and the teaching and the miracles of Jesus. Are they a thing of the past? No, they're not. We're called to do the stuff. And I, I believe it is still Bible times. Hello? It is still Bible times. That is, is the same God. And sadly, many works of God began as a movement of God and ended up as a monument of man. And that's a fact today. It's very sad. As, as we look around um, the world, we, we see this happening. And when you look at the, the feeding of the 5,000, um, it's an example of, and a, a challenge to doing things God's way. And so I want just to pick out one or two things that, that will hopefully will help you to, to do things God's way. You know, and the first thing I want to say is this: that there was a there was a, a hunger that needed to be met. Now, when you look at this story here, there was a hunger physically, and there was a hunger spiritually. Nobody hangs around with folks in the in the wilderness, thousands of them, unless something was happening. <coughs> Can you imagine this picture here, where 
where all these folks, thousands of them, followed Jesus wherever he went because he was doing the stuff. He was teaching, he was teaching them the good stuff. He was, he was um, answering their questions. He was healing up the sick. He was delivering them from demons. He was doing the stuff. And when you have that kind of di- dimension, um, all these thousands of folk were hungry. They were hungry. And that is a picture that we, we see today again and again. We need to have this hunger for what God is doing. And never lose that hunger. Never be satisfied with that hunger. I look back now, Eileen and I, we've been involved with, with this Toronto blessing stuff for, for about 24 years, 22 years, whatever it is. Now, and, and listen, folks, I never, I'm, I'm always needing to be fed again on this stuff. Um, I was over in Toronto just about 10 days ago to a conference there with, with, with people. And when you go over there again, and you think it's been going on for years, it's still going on again and again and again. And there are thousands of people still being saved. There are thousands of folks still being healed. And God is doing stuff all over the world. And I go there because I want to hang around anointed people. That's why I go there. I go there. I, I don't do very much when I go there. I just go there and smile and talk and hang around people and just share with them, and they share with me, and in that kind of way, a hunger rises up in me. Oh, Lord, I want to see so much more. That's the key. And one of the the highlights for me was an old man of 85. Makes me feel really young. He was 85, a guy called Tommy Reed. I met him before, and he's he's a pastor in Buffalo, New York. And he's Dan and Gwen Slade's pastor, and that's they were commended from that. And he gave a testimony of what is happening in Buffalo, New York. He shared what God is doing. It was a, a, a city, a big city in, 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 in that part of the country. And it was all in a mess politically, um, business-wise, and all that over, over the last 20 years. It, it just went to the dogs because of industry just falling apart. And the leader of that, of that particular town got together, and Tommy Reed in particular, and through prayer and influencing um, that, that particular town, a hunger began to rise again for Jesus. And you know, he showed us a, a, a video of it, and it's like a new city. It's like a new city, because there were people there who were hungry for God, and that hunger attracted other people, and you know, that's what happens to, to people who are anointed by the Holy Spirit. You want to hang around them. You want to hang around them. And it's so, so important to do that. Um, I met a couple of my friends over, over there. One, was, one is from Tulsa, Oklahoma. The other is from somewhere in Pennsylvania. And we've known them for a number of years. They're a wee bit younger than us. They're in their late 50s, early 60s. So they're quite young. They've been in ministry for, long, for years and years. And we know them well. We've worked with them. I had... had a couple over at, at the conference two or three weeks ago in, in Nottingham. And the point is this. Here are these men who've done all the stuff. Done all the stuff. They've planted churches. Uh, one couple, uh, Jim and, and Tondi Curtis, they've been to South America 150 times to help plant you know, churches in Brazil and in Chile. And, and all of a sudden, he leaves his church in Tulsa and he's going to plant a new church in Alabama. In his, late, in his early 60s. You know, because he has got something in him that's hungry. 
There's something in him that wants to serve God more and more. I couldn't believe it. I said, what are you going to be doing, Jim? I'm going to plant a new church, Bob. Oh, that's nice, Jim, at your age. You know the idea? And, he, and he's going to Alabama. He went there with his wife, a couple. And when he planted his church in Tulsa, God told him to go there. The first people he met in that city was a policeman. And it was a very positive thing. He goes to Alabama. The first people he meets there is a policeman. Isn't that a bit of luck? Don't you get the picture here that where there are hungry people, God shows up. God speaks to you. God guides you. And here is the Lord Jesus Christ here. You know, they were hungry. They were following Jesus. They, were, they, they wanted to be satisfied spiritually, but they needed to be satisfied physically. And I believe that there, there needs to be always in our hearts and lives a hunger for God. That's so important. Many of us, when we move, move into later years, we, want, we, we just forget that. No, we don't. Whatever age we are, never lose that hunger. Never lose that hunger. Because if you have that hunger in your heart, God will put you in contact with people that will make you even, even hungrier. And I believe that's happening. All these thousands of folk, they were hungry for God. And to me, that is a, a great thing. We, need, we must never lose that. And so that's the first thing I want you to get a hold of. You know, there was plenty of food set. You know, there was plenty of food to feed this bunch of folk here. The second thing is this. There was a perception that needed to change. There, there needs to be perception, a, a perception change in many of us because um, the disciples said, you know, send them, send the crowd away. Send the crowd away. That's the natural thing to do, isn't it? If there's no Tesco's or Sainsbury's or Aldi's in the wilderness, go and find one or the equivalent of that. That's the natural move when we, when we, we get involved. But what did Jesus say? You know, you know, you feed them. Now, that's a, a big perception change for me anyway. Um, when we realize, folks, we have the food, why send them anywhere else? You know, that's what I want to say to you. If you, if you feel you could... Many of us think that... Let me just say this. Some people think that certain churches are better than other churches. And um, I believe that it's nothing to do with the churches. Nothing to do with the denomination. I think it's most to do with me and you. If we have a hunger in our heart, wherever we are, the Holy Spirit comes and we have a perception that God is there and he will speak to us, he will use us, and he will bless us when we get hold of this fact that we can feed them. We can feed them then that's a heck of a big change. We can feed them. And I feel all of us need to get a hold of that fact. Folks, we, ha we have the food. Why send them anywhere else? And what the disciples didn't fully realize was that the presence of Jesus was with them. They had all they needed to feed them in every way. And are we not the equivalent of the disciples today? And um, I, I find that is something that really, really, really challenges me when I think of all that God is doing in our lives, that, that we need to have a, a perception change. There are many spiritual butterflies in the church today. They fly everywhere. And I want to say to you as individuals, if you at your personal level 
Get a hold of this perception change that God is in your life. The Spirit of God is in you. You're anointed to serve Him. You have a calling, you have a calling on, your, on your life. Then you will find that wherever you are, whatever you do, fruit begins to happen. Fruit begins to happen. So that perception has got to change. You know, we think we, we've got to free, send them everywhere else. Folks, we have the answer in Jesus Christ in our lives. Yeah. That's very important. And the third thing is this. There was, was action that needed to be implemented. And God said to him, you feed them. And you, you feed them, you know. Um, we've got to get rid of the impossible mindset in our lives. You feed them. That's so important. You feed them. Jesus wants to do things his way and we cry out impossible at times. Um, and I've done that. But when we follow his commands, multiplication takes place to the point that there is more than enough. And so what has God called us to do as individuals? You know, what has God called us as individuals to do? In, in many ways, we've got to realize this, that um, it's very important to realize that God wants us to take some action in our lives. You feed them. You feed them. And I believe that every one of us is called to feed people. Yeah. And I am not looking at big numbers or small numbers here. I'm looking at the fact, the calling of God in our lives, when our perception changes and realizes that we, we, we see this, that we are the person that's going to feed them, then we've got to have action in our lives that will get us to that point where we then do the stuff. Do the stuff at a personal level. And when we look back in our lives and realize this fact, when we took action where we were, God will make us look good. Now, up in Scotland, in all our traditional ways, in all our traditional backgrounds, and everything else, when God knows our heart, and we have a perception that there's so much more, God will then take you up and use you in a way that will bless you and bless other people. Your actions will then become very fruitful actions. And we are still involved with the people today from way back then, who are now involved in key positions in Scotland in business, in the medical world, uh, as well as in church world, because we just fed them at a personal level. Fed them. We spent time with them. I believe all of us need to realize this fact, that, okay, we see thousands of folks here in this particular story, but Jesus was the key factor there, and Jesus activated in the disciples a ministry to feed the 5,000 people, and there were some left over. Now, take that principle into just one person, not thousands. You'll be amazed that if God calls you to be involved with one person and, and feed them and encourage them, there will be an overflow from that too. There will be a ripple effect. Yeah. So don't go into big numbers, folks. Don't, don't be jealous of other ministries. Just be grateful God is calling you to do what, you, what he's called you to do. Yeah. Take action in it all, and in that kind of way, he will open doors for you. He'll open doors. Um, and I give God thanks for that, that God has opened doors for us in many, many ways. But the mindset has got to change. We need to feed them. And, you know, in the context, you know, let us look at this story. Here's this wee boy, five loaves and two fishes. He gave what he had. And so from that came a miracle. It's simple as that. It's as simple as that. <laughs> to feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes, that's pretty good going. And I've only seen this happen once, and I've shared it here before. Uh, and we saw it happen in Mozambique when, when um, there were a, a thousand people coming to a conference and, and they bought enough chicken for a thousand people. Um, and 3,000 people turned up. 
and my, I was in my negative mode then. Um, and I went to the, to, the, to the kitchens there with the big pots of chicken. And um, all these big chickens just been killed the night before. And I, my mind said, that'll never feed them. I'm tell, that's what I said, I'm beyond, that'll never feed them. And um, I was humbled the following day when these 3,000 folk with a, enough chicken to feed 1,000 all came together and were fed. And there was, it was like here in Luke 9, there was some left over. I couldn't believe it. There was still some in the pot, in the kitchen. And that, that, that really challenged me. So whatever God asks you to do, do it in his way. And when we do it his way, he will then show up in, in a way that will just bless you. And I feel all of us need to get a hold of that fact that God wants to, to get a hold of us and, and bless us. So what are the areas of multiplication for us today? Well, I think it all begins with that personal presence of God in our lives. I think we've never, never undermined that fact. I was challenged again two weeks ago or so in Toronto. They always look at that first. That's where it all starts. That's where it all starts, just with the presence of God. And I, I found it again and again and again that these men of God from all over the world um, who have been used by God, the, the, the very core of their values, the core of all they do uh, is, what, is God's way, and that is his presence. It's the key to it all, folks, and it's very important. You know, but then God is calling us into this area here of the releasing of the gifts of the Holy Spirit for the good of all. All of us have gifts of the Holy Spirit. And these disciples were used by God, ordinary men, used by God, and God said, you go and feed them. You go and do the stuff. And in that kind of way, they were, they were out there, naively in a sense, they weren't, hadn't been to a training school or a, or a Bible school or anything at all in those days. They were out there, and with the presence of God there, they did the stuff. And I find that very, very humbling. And so I want to say to you, each of you, God's given you gifts to feed people, spiritually and physically. Sometimes God will call you to feed people. We've done that many times. I remember once up in Scotland, living at the center, when there was a potato famine on, I think it was. Um, remember that? That's, that's going back a bit. There was a potato famine in the UK. Is any, anybody old enough to remember that? 1800. It, wasn't, it wasn't the 1800s. 1700s. It was the 70s. And we had loads of young folks staying with us at the center with no food. Uh, and it's amazing that we had a few potatoes and we fed loads and loads of... I don't know how it happened even yet. So, folks, I want to encourage you this morning. That's all. I want to encourage you what God can do. Um, he can do amazing stuff. And you'll find that as God releases that gift in you, he'll do it. Another area, too, you need to get a hold of is the, is the way that God gives us resources and money. We don't like to talk about money in church, but money is needed. Let's be honest. Money is needed. Money is needed. Um, whether it be for a local church or any ministry or any mission, money is needed. As you know, Eileen and I are involved with, with, um, with Iris, and, and I met the, the, the chief executive of Iris uh, last week in Toronto. He's, he's a guy from, from uh, California, um, and he's coming over in August to speak with Heidi. Um, and he's in charge of, of the whole thing worldwide. And he gave me, the, he gave me the, the, the annual report from last year. And you think of all God started with one little 
lady and her husband in, in Mozambique at the side of a road. That's where it started. And uh, he gave me this report. And I looked at the income. The income was $9 million. And you think, is that not a Luke 9 illustration? Is it not? You know, they're still surprised. Folks, it's not only for folk like Heidi Baker, it's for you and me, folks. Don't forget that fact. I remember I was speaking at Catsify Bournemouth two weeks ago. Well, I was supposed to be speaking, but God showed up and never spoke. So that was nice. Um, it was a really good morning that morning. We didn't, I didn't speak. Um, um, and at the end of it all, um, Eileen and I and another couple gave some words for, for the church. And, but at the end of it all, a man came up to me and he said to me, hey, Bob, are you involved with Iris? I says, yeah, we're involved a bit. He said, oh, I've been trying to give money to Iris. Oh, have you? That's nice. Um, and he, he, he says, could you give the money to Iris for me? Sure, I'll give the money to Iris. She hands me a wad of notes, 500 pounds. She says, give it to Iris. And at the end of a service, I thought, thank you. Oh, what, what can I do with that? You know, <laughs> I'm a Christian, you know, he could trust me. But it's just this fact that God spontaneously does stuff. You know what I mean? And I did put it in the bank. All right? Um, uh, but the point is this, that you never, God sometimes works unexpectedly and surprisingly in that way. And I want to encourage you that there are times when God's going to supply, supply your needs financially, you know, uh, look at the multiplication of five loaves and two fishes. And when we give to the Lord what we have, he takes it, looks up to heaven, and asks his Father, God, to bless it. So give what you have, and you will find that God will bless you in every way. You know? And I, I, I give God thanks for that. We are tying God's hands until we give. We are tying God's hands until we give, not only financially, but in every area of our lives. And God can't multiply what we haven't given to him. And so I think that's very important for us to understand these facts, that God's Spirit wants to, to bless you and guide you in that kind of way. Again? I really don't know what I'm going to say. All I know is there's such an excitement bubbling up within me over the past few weeks. And as I was listening to Bob there, I thought, you know, you've been talking about giving everything to God. God wants us. That's what we give to him. We give him ourselves. He wants everything. Everything that we've got is what we've got from God anyway, isn't it? And he just wants it back in return. And I, I was thinking over the past few weeks what they've been teaching here about grace and um, the mind of Christ. And I was here the, the week Nathan Taylor was speaking, you were in Toronto, and he was speaking on the mind of Christ. And I got quite excited because that week I just had been reading over and over 1 Corinthians 2, where it talks about God wants to share his deep secrets with us, but who can share the secrets except the spirit and it's spirit to spirit? And therefore we need to go deeper and deeper with him. And then Nathan came and he, he spoke about the, the mind of Christ. And it's getting into that whole mindset. But it's getting into that point where we trust him to give ourselves and give everything. We just trust who God is and who he says he is is true. God is good. God is good. We need to trust him in that. And there are sometimes he asks us to do things or trust him for things that we don't see. 
but we know he's asking us. And that's not just taking stuff by faith and saying, well, it's God, God will do it. It's actually God speaking to us and saying, will you trust me in this? Will you trust me? Will you just step forward into this place? And it's stepping into that place because you know who God is. And I was just sitting thinking about that. I thought, gosh, it's almost like when you fall in love. The best I can say. When you fall in love is you get besotted. You know that first, you're just besotted with each other. We just need to get besotted with who Jesus is. Besotted with God. That there is nowhere else to live outside of who he is. And most days I just say to him, God, I don't know what I would do if you weren't there. I really couldn't cope if you were not in my life. I don't know how people cope, to be honest. And it's just getting besotted with who he is that we get to that place that we trust him completely, no matter what, no matter what. And knowing that when he speaks to us, it's okay. It's okay just to trust him and go with it.